The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey, this is Dr. Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. On today's show, I want to talk about what motivates every show I do, every sermon I preach, and motivates my spiritual growth. It's this, not to look at the speck in other people's eyes, but to look at the plank in my own. I believe transformation occurs not by talking about the sins of others, but by examining the struggles, the sins, and weaknesses in our own lives and allowing for the transformative grace of God to transform us first. We're going to talk about that on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. So please join me. Thank you for joining me. This is the Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm Dr. Doug Bursch. I co-pastor Evergreen Church in Auburn, Washington, along with Dan Behrens. By the way, that music is from my brother, Dan Bursch. You can pick up his music on iTunes. I am so glad you've joined me today. Uh, if you'd like to text the show, here's the number, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. And today's show is motivated primarily by a text that I received after last week's show. Last week's show, I talked about uh, weight loss without shame. And, uh, you know, just the fact that uh, struggling with weight, we shouldn't be shaming people. People have different testimonies. Uh, we shouldn't just use our testimony as ways to say, hey, I did it this way, so everyone should do it this way. I just wanted to encourage people to keep struggling, to keep educating themselves, and to find people they can trust to help them on the journey. And you can find that podcast at fairlyspiritual.org or through iTunes, uh, through the Fairly Spiritual Show. But I had someone text me after the show at the number 360-818-4513, a really negative text, just something to the effect of, why do you have to be so critical? And I, I didn't really understand the text. I asked them to give me specifics. They didn't. They just uh, gave me a series of critical texts or negative texts. And for some reason, they don't like the show or they don't like me, and they wouldn't give reasons why. It was just a series of texts just calling me critical and negative. And so I was trying to figure out what that is all about. And, and I think I kind of know what it is because I've done enough uh, podcasts and radio shows to get this kind of response from people. And uh, because they didn't give me any details, I, I'm going to just kind of go into what I think is the main issue here. Uh, I do my shows based on this, that we're not going to spend our time talking about what's wrong with those guys. We're not going to spend all our time talking about what's, you know, what's wrong with the Democrats or what's wrong with the liberals or what's wrong with the progressives or what's wrong with that other group, you know, and then you know, talk about we're right and they're wrong. And it's not a, a rally. It's not a pep rally. It's not so we can just feel good about how we do everything right and others do things wrong. Our goal is to look at our own faults and our own failings. And in doing that, that's kind of tough for people who are not comfortable with that. Because there's a lot, there is a lot of broadcasting, there are a lot of outlets where that's basically what they're formed on. In fact, much of radio is kind of formed that way, where it's kind of you rally, you know, conservatives rally around conservatives and progressives rally around progressives. And because we're in a very partisan culture, 
you rally around your partisan people and you, you talk about how, how you're right and you're under attack and it's the other group and we need to defeat that other group and stand with us and sign our petition and do, you know, it's, it's very much us against them. And most of the journey is talking about what others are doing wrong and what we're doing right. Uh, what I try to do in any area of my life is to talk about things that I struggle with and that we struggle with. And the danger of this even, like I could say, oh, those other shows that do those bad things and our show does good things. Well, that's, you know, arrogance in and of itself too, right? That can just be another critical thing. So I could be a show like, we're not like those bad shows, we're the good shows. No, it's not like that. I, I just feel like for me, this is what I want to do. This is my calling. Everybody else gets to, to do what they're called to do. But my calling is this. I want whatever I preach or teach to reflect what God has called me to. And when Jesus gave the parable or when he talked about this, he, he said, you know, basically, don't spend your time worrying about the speck in other people's eyes. Deal with the plank in your own eyes. That is a strong motivating force for my life. And, and one of the main reasons it's a motivating force for my eyes is I don't have much control over other people. I'm not your God. You're not my God. I don't, I don't have control over other people's lives. But for my own life, yes, I have some control over that. I've, I've often told people in our church that the most dangerous person in the room is you. Like when, when I walk into the room, I'm the most dangerous person. I'm the one who really has control over what I say and what I do. And instead of worrying about what other people are doing and saying, I really need to align myself to what God is saying and doing and find a way to say and do what God is saying and doing. And I think we would do well to follow what Jesus has told us to follow, that to take our eyes off of what's going on with other people and to first see what's happening with ourselves, to look seriously at our own character. And anything that I talk about, these are things that I haven't just solved, like, oh, I'm just good at it now. These are things that I struggle with, and these are things that on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, I get before the Lord and say, Lord, search my heart. I, I, I need help here. I need your grace. But when I look at the struggle with our Christian witness, the struggle with our Christian witness isn't the issue that, you know, oh, we need to have better doctrine, or we need to have, you know, we just need pure doctrine. When I look at the struggle of our Christian witness, it's, it's in relational issues. It's in the fact that, that Christians don't know how to apologize. Or Christians don't seem to be kinder than other people or gentler than other people or we're spending our time crusading against other people when we're not looking at the sin in our own lives. I joke in this sense of if you go to Starbucks, um, I'll go work at Starbucks and you'll find at Starbucks that the people at the tables around you are talking about other people. There, I, I don't know how many times I've been in a Starbucks and I'll, I have to bring headsets to listen to music because if I don't, I'll so often hear the conversation next to me where two people will be talking about what's wrong with their youth pastor or what's wrong with their church or what's wrong with their other friend. And they're spending their time uniting around talking about what's wrong about someone else. That seems to be the nature of how humans gather together. It's, it's almost like the two people have no problems, but somebody else has a problem. So they unite around what's wrong with Sally or, or Jim or what's wrong with how they're running you know, the children's ministry or what's wrong with 
what the school's doing wrong or the teachers are doing wrong or the government's doing wrong. And we unite around that. We do that with social media. We can we can forward a, a you know a, a Facebook post of this is what's wrong with our government and this is what's wrong with our schools and this is what and we can all unite around other people. But when it comes to what's wrong in our own life, we're we're less willing to share that. And I almost feel like, well, does everybody think that everything's right with themselves? This is kind of the nature of how we unite. We're, we, we go to Starbucks so we can talk about other people's wrongs. And I would assume that we have things we could talk about that are wrong in our own life. I remember I was in a pastor's group, and this was a long time ago, and um, it was one where it just wasn't that honest of a group. It wasn't like they're trying to be dishonest, but we do prayer time, and you never really felt like anybody shared anything. And I would share things to be unfiltered. I'd just share, you know, you know, I'm struggling with stuff. Like, like I remember sharing once ago, you know, my wife and I have been fighting. And people would be like, what? You're sharing your, your wife and you have been fighting? Are you going to get a divorce? Like, they figured that I, I was sharing something, so there must be the tip of the iceberg. This must be terrible, right? I'm just sharing that my wife and I are fighting. And I realized that there just wasn't much honesty in this group. People were afraid to honestly share who they are. And I got to this point where I was like, I'm not going to share anything anymore until somebody else shares something honestly. And we went around in the group and they said, does anybody have anything they'd like to pray for? And one older gentleman goes, I have a burden. And I was like, oh, what's your burden? Is your burden the fact that maybe your son isn't following the Lord or someone is struggling with addiction or mental illness? Because there's nothing wrong with that. There's good Christians whose kids deal with mental illness and addictions, and we all have struggles, and that's okay. But he goes, I have a burden. I'm like, what's his burden? Like, we're going to have a real prayer time now. We're going to be honest here now. We're going to deal with our own problems, our own struggles. And he goes, I have a burden, a burden for souls. And I'm like, a burden for souls? What do you mean? I, I just want people to get saved. I'm like, well, of course we all want people to get saved. And so we all gathered around and prayed for this pastor for his burden for souls. And it just reminded me that we we just sometimes don't know how to facilitate environments where we talk about our struggles. Like, that our marriages are struggling and we're not doing well. And we can't say, hey, you know, last night I was fighting with my wife and I started yelling and I shouldn't be yelling and I don't know what to do about that. And I need you guys to help me because I've been yelling and my temper is out of control or or I'm, I'm not connecting well with my, my teenage daughter. It's not going well. Or or I've been watching way too much TV or I've been I've been just doing things I shouldn't be doing and I need help. But instead of that, we're spending our time talking about what's wrong with the president or what's wrong with Congress or what's wrong, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, progressive, liberal, conservative. We're, we're picking other people apart while our lives are falling apart. I think at some level, if we're going to grow, we got to look at what's going on in our own lives. And I think the Lord wants to help you with what's going on in your own life. Instead of focusing on the sins of others, the problems of others, maybe transformation occurs when we look at what's going on in our own lives. We let God enter into that equation. More to come. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. If you'd like to text the show, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. Please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, you can do that at iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. It's The Fairly Spiritual Show. And also, I'd love it if you pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church uh, from a Reluctant Pastor. You'll like it. If you don't like to be in community, it'll help you. The Community of God, sold at Amazon. Thank you for listening and supporting this show. 
Okay, hey, on today's show, I'm talking about the my heart in doing anything is not to spend our time talking about what's wrong with the world, but let's focus on what we need to do, transformation in our own life. This comes from the scripture and from what Jesus said, and but one of the things, it's also how I was raised. My dad would tell me things, and I'll tell you this story. I remember when I was uh, in grade school and I saw some just terrible video uh, concerning the Holocaust. You know, it was one of those times where I saw the video of just the atrocities of the Holocaust. And I remember just seeing that stuff and just feeling just terrible, you know, rightfully just terrible. And I came home and I was trying to process that with my dad about these horrible atrocities of, you know, the countless Jews that were killed and brutalized in the Holocaust. And uh, I remember talking to my dad about this, and my dad was very gentle, and he said to me, and, and these are just paraphrasing, but he, he talked to me and he said, you know, Doug, it's good to see how terrible that is. It's good to speak against how terrible that is. But then he, he led me down a next step. He said, you need to understand how every human being is capable of that kind of depravity. And whenever you see evil in the world, you need to let God search your heart and see where that evil might be in you, where it might be expressed in some way. And maybe you'd say, well, I would never do that. I'd never do those sorts of things. But, but where at some level are you like that? Where at some level are you anti-Semitic? Where at some level do you exclude a group or do you dehumanize a group? Or where at some level are you behaving in a way that encourages that? And that was hard to hear. Like, well, no, I'm not like that. I could never be like that. But my dad said, look at the sin in your life. Before you just start looking at other people and calling them monsters, start looking at where that sin could take root in your life. He taught me from an early age that I was to first look at the sin in my life so that I could see clearly the sin in this world. You and I are the most dangerous people in our lives. We can spend all our life focusing on the sins of others, or we can take seriously the fact that there's work to be done in our lives. But you can't really do that unless you fully embrace what the gospel is truly about. The gospel is truly about that Jesus Christ has died for our sins. Because he has died for our sins, because there is a righteousness through the cross, then we can take seriously our sins and allow God for, to search our hearts and to see if there be any wicked way in us. When you understand that Jesus Christ is your righteousness, you don't defend your sins. You don't minimize your sins. You don't just pretend they're not there. You say, search my heart, Lord. Because I know you are my righteousness, because I know you died for my sins on the cross, and I want you to examine every sin in my life. I see it this way. Um, see yourself, just do this image for me. Put yourself at the center of the universe. Some of you already see yourself that way, but just do that right now. Put yourself at the center of the universe and put a circle around yourself. And take that circle and expand it just you know as far as you can go, like uh, around the room, around the state you're living in, around the world. Just extend that circle out as far as it can go and put you at the center of that circle. So there's this giant circle, right, that goes out as far as the universe and you're at the center of that circle. Well, that's God's grace. That circle is God's grace, and you are at the center of God's grace. That is what the cross does. You're not at the edges of God's grace. The cross makes you righteous. But because you're at the center of God's grace and at the center of God's righteousness, 
then you can say, search my heart. And if there be any wicked behavior in me, any wicked attitude in me, anything that's not Christ-like in me, if there's anything I'm doing that's contrary to your will and contrary to your plan in my life, then please reveal it to me. You'll welcome the rebuke. You'll welcome the discipline of God. You'll welcome repentance. You'll welcome turning. But what I've found is some people refuse to look at the sin in their life because they don't see the gospel like that. They believe that they're still righteous based on doing things right. That they're righteous because they do things better than other people, because they have the right answer and other people have the wrong answer, because they do it right and other people do it wrong. And they believe their righteousness is is in having the right answers, in doing the right things, in being a right person. And because they believe their righteousness is in doing it right and being right and having the right answers— they won't apologize. They won't admit to their failings. They won't admit to their, their faults. They're contentious. They attack anyone who disagrees with them, and they never repent. They're just contentious, divisive, and fight. They don't back down. They don't show kindness. It's legalism. And if you disagree with them, Instead of them showing you kindness, even if they can say, you know, I disagree with you, but still they show the love and kindness of God. They cannot even show the love and kindness of God because the fact that you disagree with them is a sign that now they're wrong and they can't be wrong because their righteousness is dependent upon them being right. That's how they feel. Righteousness is being right and they must be right. Our righteousness is not about being right. Our righteousness is about being in Christ. Because we're righteous in Christ, then we can admit to the fact that, you know what? We sin daily. Here's the other reality. You and I right now, right now we believe we're doing right things. We do. You know, every one of us tries our best to believe the right thing, to do the right thing. But you know what? There's things you believe and there's things that I believe that we're going to stand before God and God's going to say, you know what? You weren't right. I believe that to be the case. It's going to be, you didn't understand it all, Doug. You had biases. You didn't understand it. You thought you were right, but you didn't understand it but my grace is sufficient for you. Enter into my rest. You and I are called to abide in the center of God's grace, in the center of God's righteousness. And when we abide in the center of God's righteousness and in the center of God's grace, then we repent. The most dangerous thing that I see in any Christian homes is not that people don't have proper theology, is that they don't learn to repent. They don't apologize. There's some people in homes where the mom or the dad never apologizes. They never admit to being wrong. They just don't. There's some people who do this. It's common for them. They Online, they get in fights with people, and then they just disappear. They'll fight with someone on Facebook, they'll fight with someone on Twitter, and they'll disappear. And they do this with hundreds of people. It's just their habit to just be angry and divisive and disappear. The scripture is pretty clear that we are to love our enemies, to do good to them, to bless them. We are called to be light and life in the world. We are called to be Jesus Christ in the midst of a broken world, and Christ in the midst of a broken world is reconciling all to the Father. That every word that Christ speaks and every action that Christ does is for the purpose of reconciling others to the Father to the restoring of relationships. 
This is one of the problems with the politicizing of Christianity. Because partisanship, by the way, it's okay to be political. It's okay to have political opinions. It's good to have political opinions. We, we need to vote. We need to, we need to decide our opinions. But partisanship does this. The goal is, I want my side to win and your side to lose. I want my law to pass and your law to fail. Uh, I want us to win and for you to go home losers. The goal of Christianity is not for me to win and you to lose. The goal of Christianity is for me to communicate truth in such a way that you come into the truth, that you come into relationship with God and you come into relationship with me. The goal of me to communicate truth in Christianity is not that you go away, not that I'm proven right, but it's that we are reconciled one to another and to God. There's no joy that, oh, I won an election, but half of the nation hates me. As a Christian, that's not my goal. The goal as a Christian is that people find the love and the light and the truth of God. And that we never communicate the truth in a way that is separated or divorced from the love of God. Or the whole purpose of communicating truth. That we communicate truth for the purpose of people reconciling to God. So anything that I communicate, I communicate with that in mind. This is my heart. And I know this is what offends people because they'll say, well, why are you being so critical? Because I'm uncomfortable. Like you're, you're not talking about them. You're talking about us. You're talking about the things that I don't want to repent of. I want to focus on them. And I'll just tell you, though, the things that I'm talking about today are the things that I struggle with. I don't want to repent, but I need to. I don't want to look at my sins. But I need to, because you know, you know what I like to do is I like to talk about other people at Starbucks instead of myself and to say, you know what, what really needs to be dealt with right now is that I need to grow as a husband. The other day, my wife was showing me how to do laundry, and I thought, how pathetic that I don't know how to do laundry in this house. I have been a selfish husband. Here I can preach sermons about service, but I don't know how to do a basic thing like run our washer. I can talk about women's rights and how women should be respected and treated with dignity, and yet I can't figure out how to run our washer. That doesn't stand. That's, that's, that's not good. That's wicked. My wife was kind and gracious to me, and she didn't make a big deal out of it, but that doesn't stand. And I could preach against Trump, and I could preach against uh, you know, whatever the liberal equivalent is. You know, I, Whatever, I can preach against any side. But God says, okay, Doug, you can talk about all that stuff, or you can talk about the fact that you've not been the husband you're called to be. Serve your wife. And I can talk about, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, or maybe I need to be a better father and learn how to spend more time loving my sons, loving my daughters. So anything I share here, when I, when I get off the air, I say, search my heart, Lord. Help me grow in these things because I don't want to waste my life talking about other people. We abide in the center of God's love and God's grace. And because of that, we can say, search our hearts, search our minds. And if there be any wicked way in us, reveal it so we can repent of it and turn from it and turn to a better way. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord, where has your attention been? Is it on them or is it on you? Are you allowing God to search your heart? Are you defending your sins? When's the last time you repented to someone 
When's the last time you apologized? When's the last time you showed the grace and kindness and goodness of God to someone else? These are the questions we should all ask each other. When's the last time? If I were to go to your kids, would they say, my mom and my dad, they're gracious and kind. They repent. They show kindness. They admit to their sins first. They admit to their faults first. They're not judgmental and critical. They truly are humble servants of God. Would they say that about you? Would your grandkids say that about you? These are the signs that we're allowing the gospel to take root in our life. I know I have work to do. I think you do as well. We all have work to do in the center of God's grace, in the center of God's righteousness, in the center of God's gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to text the show, here's the number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. Please pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. It'll help you if you struggle with community. And also subscribe to the podcast, The Fairly Spiritual Show, on iTunes. We need your support to keep this show on the air. Go to fairlyspiritual.org to donate today. I will see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.